Hi everyone, this is Mike and Stornago from OIC with another message from lockdown. We're still here. Our Letters from Lockdown series isn't over and neither is our actual lockdown here in Oslo. We still can't meet on Sundays here at Hasselhirke, but there's hope. We're finally starting to see a glimpse of the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, vaccination is going on, numbers are looking a bit better, and it seems like we might be gradually breaking out from lockdown. And what is that going to be like? Have you thought about it? What is it going to be like to break out from lockdown? So here's a story about a particularly dramatic and markedly weird breaking out from lockdown. There's a group of people locked into a house. They are worried about what may happen if they go outside. Is it safe? Maybe they should stay there with their little cohort and not risk the open street. Suddenly, there's a loud noise. And it's, it sounds like a wind blowing violently through the windows. And they look at each other, startled and scared, and see what looks like fire on top of each other's heads. But instead of running for a bucket of water or something, they go for the door. And they break out of the house and inexplicably start talking in all sorts of different languages that they didn't know just a few minutes ago, but languages that the people out on the street understand. And what they are speaking about is the wonders of God. Now, the people out in the streets who are witnessing this sudden outbreak, they are both amazed and confused. They can't pinpoint if these people are prophets or if they're drunk. And it's hard to blame them because this is weird stuff. If, if you grew up as a Christian, you might be going, that's not weird. That's Pentecost. That's the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's what we are celebrating on this very Sunday. Well, yeah, that is the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we celebrate on the Sunday called Pentecost Sunday, which is the Sunday in which this video is coming out. But the only reason that you think that's not weird is because you grew up hearing the story if you're a Christian. Maybe others of you watching or listening to this never heard of this story before and are raising your eyebrows and asking, what on earth? But whether you are Sunday school Hermione or you're skeptical Joe, we're still left with one question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why are we retelling this story today? Why do we retell it every year? Why does it matter? That's the question that I want to deal with today, but I will be taking a rather unusual route. I'm not going to talk about Acts 2 that tells the story, but I want to start with Bobby McFerrin interrupting a fight between me and my brother. And then I'm going to talk about Paul's letter to the Philippians, and eventually I'll find my way back to Pentecost. So Bobby, this was several years ago, and I don't remember exactly when. I don't remember what we were fighting about, but me and one of my brothers were having a heated argument. We were driving through downtown Curitiba, the city I grew up in in Brazil. We were driving around in this little red car that we used to have, and the radio was on. 
And I recently tried to explain to my kids what it's like to watch TV or listen to the radio when you don't get to choose what's playing. And they, they were really puzzled by the idea that anyone would submit to that kind of experience. But that's what was going on on that day in the little red car in downtown Curitiba. The radio was playing, arguably oblivious to me and my brother discussing angrily in our seats. Then suddenly, into the midst of our fighting, comes the unmistakable whistling of Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry. Be happy, right? And just, just like that, don't worry, be happy. Just like that, we stopped arguing and we started laughing. Bobby's interruption was so unexpected, cheeky, and ridiculous that it totally broke our fighting mood. And I say ridiculous because Bobby's arguments aren't exactly watertight, right? If you worry, your face will frown and that will bring everybody down. Well, yeah, it rhymes, so it's true, I guess. But why am I talking about this anyway? I'm talking about this because Paul's letter to the Philippians, it has something of a Bobby interrupts the fight kind of moment. Towards the end of his letter, to the Christians in the city of Philippi, Paul addresses what was apparently a conflict between two prominent women in the fellowship, likely local leaders of some sort. And I want to read for you how this part of the letter goes. So this is in Philippians chapter 4 from verse 1 to 9. And it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way Dear friends, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It's hard to figure out the details of this conflict or conflict or disagreement between Yodias and Santiki because, well, we aren't given any de details. Paul pleads with them to be of the same mind, uh, which we presume means he is asking them to reconcile. Then he asks an unnamed true companion to help them figure things out mentions Clement and some other people, and then instead of explaining more or giving more arguments of some sort pertaining to disagreement, he just throws in a rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And this led me thinking, what 
is this? What is this sudden interruption? Is this a diversion technique, like when we jiggle our keys in front of a crying baby? Or like when I tell my grumpy son to stop being grumpy and smile, as if that ever worked with anyone? Or is it a Bobby interrupts the fight kind of moment? Yodius and Syntyche, stop arguing. <laughs> Don't worry, rejoice, right? What is this? If that's all it is, it feels like a cheap shot from Paul, right? When Bobby whistled himself into my fight with my brother, we started laughing because it was funny. But we were under no illusion that our issues had suddenly disappeared because he rhymed frown with down. Unfortunately, we do get that kind of treatment from Christians sometimes. We're struggling with the real problem, and Mr. Happy Christian comes along saying, Don't worry, smile, Jesus loves you. Well, I know he loves me, but can he also pay my bills or whatever it is that is making us frown? Fortunately, I believe there is much more depth to what Paul is saying here. His call to not be anxious about anything is not a couldn't-care-less bumper sticker or some kind of social media motivational post. It is a call that is deeply nested in the practice of prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How does a practice of prayer allow for this joy and possibility of not being anxious about anything? What is the role of prayer in this dynamic? As I read of this, I, I think of two common approaches to prayer. So one approach, it clings strongly to the word petition and the word requests. This is when we pray hoping that God will solve things. That he will somehow get things done and intervene in a measurable, quantifiable way. Provide, heal, fix, transform. The specifics of our prayer may be varied, and some of them may be more noble or sound noble and others less so. But the problem with this approach is that it not only tries to manipulate or instrumentalize God, but it is also ultimately not about God, but about us. We get things done through prayer. And if things happen, we feel great about ourselves and our God. And if they don't, then we get frustrated and we assume it's either our fault for not being spiritual enough or having asked the wrong things or in the wrong way or whatever it may be, or it's God's fault. And this approach often leads then to either blind arrogance or to faithlessness and skepticism or just to, well, a whole lot of anxiety. Another approach is when we pray assuming that God already did everything that needed to be done in the past and will do whatever needs to be done in the future and that our role is just to stick around and not do anything particularly stupid. This approach clings to the word thanksgiving and, and it rightly celebrates the fullness of the work of Christ in his life, death and resurrection and it rightly affirms the ultimate triumph of God's redemptive will and power 
but it fails to see God's relevance for the present. It is a surrender to God, which I would argue is a proper attitude, but it's a hopeless surrender. It is not a lack of worry so much as it is a refraining from worry. It is not trust, but detachment. It leads to a spirituality that in God's righteousness hides our giving up on righteousness and relevance in the presence, giving up on acts of righteousness. But Paul's understanding of joy and rest in the Lord, this not being anxious that he speaks about, it is not passive. He calls the Philippians and he calls us to put into practice what we have heard, what we have learned, what we have received and seen. He calls Eudias and Santiki to reconcile. He calls the Philippians to bring their requests to God, implying that their requests matter to God and that God matters to their requests. Now, I said just now that I believe surrender to God is a proper attitude of prayer, but not hopeless surrender. What I believe we are being invited into here, invited into here is something else something that I might call fruitful surrender. Fruitful surrender. A surrendering to God that bears fruit. And the time of fruitfulness is not the past, it is not the future, it is now. Where I see this fruitful surrender most beautifully expressed in this part of Philippians that we've read today is in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by praying and repetition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. At the heart of both the joy and the rest, the call to rejoice and the call to not be anxious is this understanding, this perceiving by faith that the Lord is near. And this isn't past tense. The Lord was near and did his work on the cross, though that certainly is true. This isn't Future tense, the Lord will be near when he comes again and redemption flourishes into full bloom, though that is also the substance of our hope. But this is present tense. The Lord is near. The Lord is near here today. That presence, that nearness of Christ, that nearness of God and the Spirit means that our prayer is not merely a thanksgiving of what God did in the past or a request for what he may do in the future, but above all else, it is a recognition, a declaration by faith that he is with us at the present. And because of that, we put the present 
in his presence, in his hands. It is that being with us of God that anchors our faith in what was and in what will be because it is the presence of the risen Christ in his spirit. Our joy is not in that sense a feeling or a mood per se, but it is an expression of our trust that the Lord is near. Even and especially in the middle of our struggle, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Bearing in his self the past and the future work of redemption into which we are grafted in him. And it is in that sense that we are not anxious. We may feel the anxiety of the development of events, but we need not feel the anxiety of abandonment. We may not know what happens tomorrow, but we know that Christ is and will be with us. This knowing is an act of faith. It is a practice of prayer, and it is expressed in fruitfulness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It is by our gentleness, by our graceful acts that those around us are touched by the nearness of the Lord in us and in history. So when we put whatever we learned or received into practice, the God of peace is with us. This nearness of Christ, it gives grounding and it is expressed among other things in reconciliation. Reconciliation between Yodia and Syntyche. And reconciliation also between Jew and Gentile as the wonders of God are expressed in all sorts of language outside that house in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. It is expressed in the gentleness, the acts of grace and mercy and love of righteousness of the Philippian Christians towards the Philippians. It is expressed in our gentleness, in our acts of grace and mercy and love and a fight for righteousness today to all of those around us to whom God is and wants to be known as being present. And that is why Pentecost matters. This is why we remember and we retell the story. Because more than the wind in the windows and the fire on the heads, it tells us of the wind in our lungs and the fire in our hearts as we speak, as we sing, as we love, as we serve, as we embrace, as we transform with the present presence this holy redundancy of language, the present presence of the living Lord. Don't worry. The Lord is with you in your trouble. Rejoice. 
The Lord is with you in your struggle. You are not alone. We are not alone. The Lord is with you. The Lord blesses you. The Lord keeps you. The Lord, his face shines upon you because he is gracious to you. And he is our peace. So may the God of peace be with you. Go in the spirit and let your gentleness be evident to all.